This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Annie Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's us. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. All right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. Don't get me wrong. I love the ladies. I mean, they rev my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. This is the Annie Fry Show. And welcome in. Happy New Year to you. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Annie Fry. It's the Manny Fry Show today. I think yeah, that's what you guys call it. it. <laughs> and I found out on Friday that even when Ryan Wiggins is not in the building, they still play your special intro. You know what's which amazing? I thought they only reserved when you were there. I, I did not know that either until Friday. I found that out because I heard through the grapevine that <laughs> it happened and that you were talking about it and I wasn't there. So sorry about that. I know. It's such a great intro. I remember when you guys played it for me, not on a Friday. What a special rare occasion that was. But now we are in 2024. I'm in Michigan now, and the University of Michigan Wolverines winning in the Rose Bowl last night was pretty exciting. So there's a lot of happy people up here. Um, so I, I got to say, it's not a bad day. And, oh, happy Epstein List Day to you as well. Thank you very much. And same <laughs> yeah, to you. Almost think I would forget. Yes, happy Epstein List Day. I don't think the official list or the documents have been released just yet, but they could potentially come out at any moment now. And there's a lot of people... I can't wait to see it myself. In fact, I want to know all the names on the list. And I know that, of course, the one marquee name, Bill Clinton, was on there, what, 50 times through the documents, something along those lines. So they released what his John Doe number was. Oh, no. And it's not going to look so good for him. I, I keep thinking about this list. And is there a way you could be on this list and still be able to keep a public face? Or is it over for you? Because is Donald Trump on this list, too, then? Then what happens to him? Yeah, I think I think the answer is <clears throat> that the more you're on it, the harder it's going to be. Because it's possible that if you were just a rich person 
and you were hanging out with rich people and you got invited to go to some rich guy's island, you could have gone and not known exactly what you were getting into. However, if you went and then did it over and over again, it seems like it's a little more the likelihood of you knowing would go up every single time. But the other side of that is, though, too, if you, if you went and so, let's say you and I don't know what this list is. Is this a flight log or is this a guest list of the island? I mean, if it's a flight log, it doesn't necessarily mean you went to the island either. But like you're saying, Ryan, if you only went one time, I mean, doesn't that kind of shouldn't you see something say something at that point? If you were on the island, you're like, oh, this isn't good. Uh-huh. Maybe well, I need to speak it- up. Yeah, I think that's a mix. So I think it's mostly court documents that reveal the flight logs. So when you go through the documents, it's a lot of testimony. And in part of the testimony, they just say John Doe as they redacted to not release the person's official name. But in this case, you're actually going to be able to find out who the John Doe's are in these documents. So maybe there's like a, you know, there's a flight log. Maybe there's like an actual log of names that go into this court document, I guess, ironically speaking. But when we go through the 200 names or so that are connected with it, and Bill Clinton's on there 50 times. I'm sure he's seen something. I'm sure he's done things. Um, and there's the story about Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein down in, was it Mar-a-Lago? Do you remember that story? Um, I remember hearing This goes it. back some time ago. I'll just paraphrase. Essentially, he was um, being creepy to one of the waitresses. And then Donald Trump essentially banned him and said, you're never coming back. And cause the dad raised a ruckus, like what's this old creepy dude being, you know, all creepy to my daughter and them both. I think it was the dad and the daughter both worked at the Mar-a-Lago at the time. So I guess apparently he was banned and never communicated with again, essentially was put on the blacklist after this surfaced, his actions surfaced. So I guess in the case of Donald Trump being that's true. And I think that's pretty well documented as being true. The people that happened to came out and also said that was true. I think that pretty much shows that any rational person that may have witnessed something going on, either on the plane or on the island would have immediately have done something about it. Um, And it makes you wonder who's the ones that didn't and how many times were they on there? And what a creep this Jeffrey Epstein is to begin with. And all things considered, isn't it amazing that in today's world that people like that can exist and operate for as long as they operate? That blows my mind. I think we can all agree that no matter who's on the list and no matter why, all of them should be deeply investigated. No matter who it is, no political affiliation, it doesn't matter. Every single person associated with underage child sex trafficking in any way, and and look, they could be completely exonerated, but they should mm-hmm. all be investigated as long as we entrust, we would trust the investigations. Because that's my thing, mm-hmm. is that they might say, oh yes, we're going to investigate, but these are the most power- powerful people in the world in the world, do we really yeah. believe that they're going to be investigated the same as anybody else? That's why we're in the situation where you're in right now that we they haven't been yet. I mean, the, there's like a scale of embarrassment with this, right? So there's like a light end and a heavy end, and you just don't want to be on the heavy end if you are listed on that whatsoever. And I've never once been invited on a private plane, but I never thought that if I was invited on a private plane that there would be something very illegal going on that thing. Like at this point, if someone says, Hey, do you want to hop on my private plane? The back of my mind thinks, uh, is Delta not good enough for you? Like, what are you doing on this plane that you don't want other people seeing? Well, also though, wouldn't you think 
man, if there's a super, super rich person and they run in very super rich, ultra wealthy circles and mm. they want to take you out to a private island, my initial <laughs> thought before all this broke, my initial thought would be, Dang, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking about the whole plane thing. If somebody yeah. offered me, like, hey, I know you need to go to Texas for whatever reason. We're going to fly you out there on our private plane. I'm saying, yes, I'd rather fly private than commercial. Mm-hmm. Now. <laughs> yeah. Now you go, wait a minute. There's a history here. Now and you're guys- taking me to the private island yeah. where they hunt people for sport. Now, what was it? There was the one story that came out, and I apologize if I'm getting the wrong corporation, but I think it was General Electric. And their head apparently flew on a private plane, but also had a second private plane follow them in case his plane broke down so he wouldn't be disrupted in his flight. So they would be able to land, hop on the second backup plane that was trailing them, and then continue on their way in case something happened. That Tell me that is just... That's, a whole different world of that's luxury. That's a different and, level of money right there. Well, I guess, I mean, if you have to land and then switch planes, that's one thing. If you're going to do it midair, I'd kind of have some respect yeah, I, for it. I saw that one on, uh, on what was that movie with Steven Mission Seagal? Impossible 5? No, no, no. Uh, the, the one where they get on the plane. Steven Seagal. Via, yeah, they get on the plane via the stealth bomber, and then they have to. Jump planes? Yeah. <laughs> or was it Air Force One that they, they it was Air Force One, wasn't it? Where they they zip line from plane to plane. No, I don't I That was, was the first time I think that that phrase has ever been uttered on radio. What was that one Steven Seagal movie where where they zip line like, no, from plane to that. plane? Yeah, I have to look. There are two different movies, but I think they zip lined on Air Force One. Oh man, that sounds pretty dangerous. This one's out of cocktail <laughs> olives. Let's go to that one. <laughs> yeah, I need a. Yeah, martini. no kidding. We're switching. You guys want to get out of here? Let's go to the other plane. Let's go. Uh, this this plane's the zip boring. Line. <laughs> Hook up the zip line. Now, why wouldn't they use one of the giant inflatable slides? Wouldn't that be a little bit more economical? That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, That thing flapping in the air. Um, There was another story. And, you know, being that it is the new year, you hear about the crime that happens during New Year's to New Year's Day. And a lot of times it's a crackdown on the roadways. You have a bunch of drunk drivers, impaired drivers, high drivers going out there. And, you know, they hurt other people and they think they can get away with it or whatever it is. And ultimately, They do not. Now, one of the things that St. Louis has been plagued with are the short-term rentals, these um, Airbnb-style places where you can rent a house or an apartment. A lot of times, if it's an apartment, the owner of that apartment complex really doesn't know that you're renting these things out. Um, They just know that, hey, you are the tenant, and they don't know that you give the option to someone else to temporarily take it over. So you get these people from who knows where they come in, and they realize, you know what, I can probably do this without you know, very little repercussion. So they party up, they destroy the place. They just terrorize the neighbors. Um, and really they leave a complete mess and everyone hates these rentals all the way around them. And this seems all too often where the people come into these rentals and it goes beyond partying. And in this case, these short-term rentals, they come in and they start firing guns. Like a lot of people do on new year's Eve. And then other cars get hit. People get hit. Homes get hit. In this case, a St. Louis home riddled with bullets during short-term rental party. I, um, I, you know, I don't think I've ever been tempted to take one of these short-term rentals. Like if I'm traveling on a vacation or something like that, mostly because I hear all the horror stories and I know that people around them absolutely hate you for coming in and renting these things. But at this point, there it seems like there's more harm than good with any of these rentals in major cities. It seems like the convenience factor is completely offset with all the other crime 
in hooliganism that comes with it, if that's even a word. Um, at this point, I think the city has tried to shut down these short-term rentals for a while. It's never happened. Is it at the point where they just got to do it? Like they just have to put their foot down and say, we're done. None of these short-term rentals on holidays or these parts where it's used specifically to party because it's just being a menace to society? Uh, no, I think it's the exact opposite. Uh, the libertarian version of this would be that the government should have no say over your own private property. Uh, they Now, here's where the government can get involved and has. When you start having situations like this where people are renting this out, not just for themselves, but they're having parties and they're doing things that affect not just that property, they affect the neighbors, then then it, it's overstepping the boundaries and you have to get involved. So this is where, but I don't think the, the, the party thing is as big of a deal. The governments are, are using it to try to get involved because they don't like having rentals in the middle of normal neighborhoods because it does mm -hmm. kind of disrupt the neighbors a little bit. But Libertarian says, I mean, don't touch it. This is private property. You can't tell them what to the do. The government likes to regulate whatever they can yes. regulate. They, like, they do like to get their hands on this. It's my understanding, though, that this store, like the police were called out because of a noise complaint, but then later on in the night, a drive-by shooting happened. And like yeah. they shot, like I saw some video from it, and they shot up the, the house pretty good. Right. Okay. Here's the, I guess, the median point. If you want to look at the libertarian thing, uh, how about they change the laws that if you don't recognize the people coming in and out and they're too loud, you get to bear mace them one time without <laughs> repercussion. Yeah, I think as that's the fine. neighbor, only as the neighbor, you can't, you can't come in as a guest and do it. Only the neighbors are allowed to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's um, fine. There should be a little bit of a warning uh, shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just, a, just maybe just, just spray it in the air. Just fog fog the air. Spray it. Yeah. <laughs> Two blasts in the air. <laughs> It'll do it. What did Joe Biden have Step out on for. your back porch. This is a big Are question, you... though, that's going to have to be answered, not just in major cities, but everywhere. Every city is having to deal with whether they are hands-off and they allow Airbnb slash whatever VRBO and all the others to operate freely, which would be ideal but then they it does bring extra problems to usually that street and the neighbors don't well, like it. It's so. it's an interesting thing. It's like where does your rights stop and the other person's rights begin? So if that Airbnb is driving your property value down and you own the property there, Airbnb is a fairly new thing. Does the person have the right to do whatever they want with their property, but it destroys your property because you're not going to be able to sell it because this guy has turned his yeah. his property into a, a party house. I don't, yeah, you know, it's a real concern. It's it, the, the yeah. question of like libertarian versus not libertarian is, is it's not no government, but to what extent? And to me, it's so interesting that these new places have this idea. They've they've created these new kind. Well, you know, there is a place for regulation. It's just how much. Okay, let's put it this way. So let's say essentially if you have this property, you're treating it like a business. And it's not zoned as a business, but you're treating it like a business, a short term. And they're trying to skirt the laws that way. So it would be like your neighbor, let's say they open up a business and next door your neighbor's like, you know what? I'm going to start selling pot out of my house because it's <laughs> legal now. So I'm just going to have a bunch of people coming in and out buying pot all day. And this is where they're going to go. I would be pretty upset. Like I wouldn't want to, that happening next door. Um, I know that renting for people to stay a night is a little bit more innocent than that. Sure. But I, let me move away from that point because I probably shouldn't have even said that. It's just kind of being in. But how about this? Isn't it? There's a little bit of irony in place with these large cities 
the large cities that say they want to get rid of these single home dwellings and they want to move towards multi-home buildings. And because they say, number one, you know, it's too expensive and you're taking up too much land and you need to be able to accommodate for more people. The housing's an issue. So you need to be able to fit as many people as possible on a plot of land. So we need the multi-home levels. Isn't there a little bit of irony for some of these cities coming back and then saying that, well, actually, we don't want the multi-use on these anymore. We uh, we don't want you to be able to use it like it is a multi-use because, you know, it's causing such a disturbance. But in reality, all these cities that are saying that we want the multi-use don't recognize that they're causing a disturbance by it. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, that we want we want to have these available to more people. But the more people use them, the more you're like, eh, we don't really want that many people. Turns out right. we, we, were, we were wrong. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's I think ever there say is some wrong. irony there. Yeah. And I think places like Seattle, where they even try to change laws to make it very difficult for you to buy a plot of land and put a single home on that land, because they say that housing is such a problem right now that they have to solve it by putting up apartments or multi-complexes or affordable housing or whatever it is. So that makes it a little bit more difficult, I think, uh, in the argument for saying that you shouldn't be allowed to do something like this and, you know, Airbnb be one of them, but even if it is a temporary thing. But nonetheless, I don't want to live next to an Airbnb. I, I, does anyone here want that? Like, I, I would hate that if my neighbors are Airbnbs. It would just drive me nuts. I don't know that I would love it, but I also would have a real tough time internally processing that I should, the government should get involved in it. <laughs> well, I- <laughs> This is kind of like the HOA thing. I'm I am radically anti-HOA. Like I am going to hate every minute of you having your old washing machine sitting in your front yard next to your couch, in your front yard with your three foot tall grass. But that's your three foot tall grass, and that's your wash. Well, I'm about, like, oh, no, please be nice to me. Get, it, get but rid I, of it. I know. But the other <laughs> thing is like the homeless situation. Like let's say you live in a big city and they set up tent city in front of your house with syringes and poop, and that's like the public land. That little piece of grass in the sidewalk. And you're like, well, I guess the libertarian in me says that the homeless are allowed to shoot up in front of my kids. I know. I don't think that either. I, I think uh, maybe that's a little bit extreme, but uh, it, this is almost like the Airbnb is the same to me in a way. It may seem strange for me to say that, but it's kind of the same. It's it's interesting because in, in your example, though, the, the difference to me is, is it's not that that's not their property. That's public property. That's everybody's property. And that that that's the area that the government does have the right to regulate. And shooting oh, up isn't legal saying. except yeah. in Portland. <laughs> Except oh, yeah. It's California, mostly. Just yeah. that giant state. I was looking at it more as the inconvenience factor for the people living there. Brad, are you saying there's some breaking news coming out now? Uh, yeah, it looks like the Harvard uh, president is going to resign. Uh, let's see here if I Claudine can... Gay, Harvard University president Claudine Gay, will resign amid allegations of plagiarism, according to news reports. So she, the plagiarism wow. is the angle that they're taking here. But obviously, all of this has happened <laughs> after her comments in the front of Congress. Yeah. Well, what she did, she made those comments in front of Congress, and she got everybody looking at her. And then they started going through her papers like, oh, here's a little plagiarism here. And they're like, ah, it's kind of a mistake. And it's like, well, this was in an era when it wasn't easy to accidentally plagiarize. And then they found some more. And then they found some more. Oh, yeah. More. And then yeah. they found that other people brought it up against her to begin with. And she used it as, and she weaponized her power in order to try to stop people that were calling her out for plagiarism. Uh, how about that? All right. Uh, I guess they did the right thing there, but it's so funny. You can hate Jews and that's not a problem, but the minute you steal someone else's work and you're in high authority, then that's the problem at Harvard. 
Wow, that's something else. Uh, all right, we're going to keep an eye out for that Epstein list. Happy Epstein list day to you, too. Um, and by the way, after the break, there was one of those Bill Maher sit-down interviews where they basically sit in a dark, dungy kind of area, everything like they smoke and stuff. So it was Bill Maher and Seth MacFarlane said a couple of things about Trump and Biden. I wanted to replay and get your reaction to. I'm Ryan Recker filling in. Don't forget to go vote in the YouTube live chat poll. We'd like to see you on there. 97.1 FM talk. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back. All right. We're going to uh, look at a couple of comments that um, I've seen circulating around. The Dave Chappelle has a new special. It came out a couple of days ago. I was going to play a clip from that. And, of course, there's backlash to it. It's kind of fascinating. I I think about some of the defenses of Dave Chappelle. Let's start here first. I was going to do the Seth MacFarlane thing, but I don't know. I don't have Netflix. I've only seen the clips that have been posted online. But have either of you had the opportunity to watch any of the new Dave Chappelle special? I, I haven't had an opportunity to watch all of it, just like you said, just some of the clips and stuff. I'll tell you already, Dave, I don't watch a ton yeah. of stand-up. I just don't. I, I don't know why. Never have. Don't know if I ever will. I like stand-up. Not got into it. Yeah. I like it a lot, but I'm very particular about the stand-up that I like. So I'll start into a special and be like, ah, nope, and then I'll turn it off. Here's what I think. Uh, in the world we live in, there's a lot of pandering. And I think that if you're, for example, this is a great example, Kamala Harris, our vice president, I feel like whenever she talks to someone, she's either pandering or talking down to them. And talking down to them like they have the intelligence of an eight-year-old, saying, okay, this is the way I need to communicate with you because you're a child. And I feel like in a lot of ways, the Democrats use kind of wokeism in a way to try to like dock down to you. And they'll say, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're just going to take something complex and we're just going to boil it down to a buzzword. And then we're just going to all chant that buzzword in a circle until we make you cry or quit or fill in the blank, whatever. And that is kind of their MO in a way until you find that there are some people that will stand up and, you know, basically tell them to, What's the old phrase? Pound sand. And <laughs> yeah. once you get a little bit of people to stand up against them and challenge why they believe the way they do, they find that they 
you know, cheap like a, a they fold like a cheap card table. They just basically collapse because they don't really know why they hate certain things or like certain things. They're just kind of part of that mob mentality. And I feel when you talk about certain touchy subjects, um, let it be cultural things that we see in today's world that immediately, if you have a problem with it, and a lot of times it has to do with, you know, vices, you know, uh, drinking, gambling, sex, identity, um, you know, just a lot of things you look at, there's, there's traditional values. And then there's certain ways that in today's world, they're not really looked at as that big of a deal anymore. And times do change. But if you even joke about it or bring up any objection to maybe them going to the extreme, then all of a sudden you're like the worst person in the world. You're like the worst human in the world. Uh, so Dave Chappelle jokes about these things as a master comedian could because he's a fantastic comedian and he brings up great points in comedy. And I think everyone understands Dave Chappelle, but there are people that get upset with him all the time. I'm going to play a part of this new special and let me set up this clip. So, he was saying that one of his most respected comedians was Norm Macdonald. He loved him to death. And he said Norm Macdonald understood that Dave Chappelle, at a young age, just idolized Jim Carrey as a comedian. So one day, Norm Macdonald called up Dave Chappelle and said, hey, uh, what are you doing? I'm doing this movie with uh, Jim Carrey. Do you want to come up and meet him? Dave Chappelle went like, absolutely. So he gets to the set, and it's Jim Carrey filming Man on the Moon. This is when Jim Carrey was in character of Andy Kaufman, and Jim Carrey took the character of Andy Kaufman and lived it day to night, morning to night, would wake up Andy Kaufman, go to bed as Andy Kaufman. And during this entire filming, you had to refer to him as Andy Kaufman. He was not Jim Carrey anymore. So when this was going on, of course, Dave Chappelle didn't understand that. I mean, we understand that now because the movie's out, and we understood the extreme amount of length that Jim Carrey went into to stay in character. But Dave went in there, and it was talking about what it was like to meet Jim Carrey. And he gets in there and, and he gets in and says, Jim, I, I love you. And the, everyone on the set went, no, 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 you can't say that. It's not Jim Carrey. It's Andy Kaufman because they wanted to keep him in character. So Dave Chappelle picks up the story here about his interaction with uh, Jim Carrey. Now, in hindsight, how lucky am I that I got to see one of the greatest artists of my time immersed in one of his most challenging processes ever. Very lucky to have seen that. But as it was happening, I was very disappointed. Because <laughs> I wanted to meet Jim Carrey, and I had to pretend this was Andy Kaufman all afternoon. And he was clearly Jim Carrey. I could look at him and I could see he was Jim Carrey. Anyway, I say all that to say, that's how trans people make me feel. <laughs> Okay, so this is one of the controversial clips. How funny is that, though? But that's one of the controversial clips. He sets up this whole thing about Jim Carrey, and he's that's how trans people make me feel. All right, so that's one of the moments in there that were controversial. What are your thoughts? I mean, he's just saying what so many people feel. They go, I, well, I, you know, I, I could try to participate, but I, I know what is happening. So, you know, I'll, I'll, but I'll, hey, I'll do my best. I mean, that's what everybody kind of has to do, isn't it? Isn't that what comedy is supposed to be? You you find something that's true in society in something that's absurd in society, and then you point it out and <laughs> and make people laugh at it. I mean, we're able to talk about it because people like Dave Chappelle go in and they they do jokes like this. 
And it was. What a moment. It was a great yeah. setup. Because if you listen, like that clip, I think, was two minutes and 30 seconds long of him telling yeah. the story. And it's the long setup for that punchline. no line. idea where it was going. Yeah, and they just, <laughs> yeah. he gets you. And you're like, oh, oh. So... And I, I tried so hard to set that up and not ruin the punchline because I wanted it to be a surprise if you haven't heard that. And that's just one of the, the different takes. He also, uh, one of the criticisms they brought up to him, he made some disabled people jokes. And I thought it was kind of funny because he was saying, like, you notice how they always stick the people in the wheelchair in the back. And he's like, you know, there's always people standing up in front of them and they don't care about the people in the wheelchair. But he's like, it, and, you know, he starts joking about it that way. And he said, you know, then there's all the disabled people in the back that thought they would come here and they would just make fun of trans people. Like, what are they doing making fun of me? So he used that as a point to say that everyone gets made fun of. You know, that's kind of life. That's kind of comedy. And I, I looked at that and I thought, and going back to the original premise of Dave Chappelle, I think that if you're Kamala Harris or the left and you talk down on people all the time, then that sort of thing would offend you. But if you look at people as equals and you realize that some people are in certain circumstances in their life and they don't mind joking about it, they don't mind talking about it. And if you look at them as equals and treat them as equals, it doesn't become a big deal. It's only a big deal. If you kind of pity them, it becomes a deal. So I I, I forget the name of the comedian, but he was talking about how he had a blind person come to his show and they were sitting in the front row and he asked the person next to him is like what are you what are you doing like they're blind they don't need to sit up front you're wasting a ticket blah 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 and he got <laughs> both of the people the, both the blind person and the person that came with him laughing and stuff like that but he said I met with him after the show and the blind person thanked him because they said you're treating me like everybody else and that's all I ever wanted oh, yeah. was to be treated like everyone else and he goes so it's it's stuff like that that we don't think about whenever we're doing comedy but like like you were saying you're treating a person like a person at that point yeah. And how many times has that happened to you where, uh, listen, we're all married here, where your <laughs> wife looks at you and says, I can't believe you just said that to that person. And you don't think you're being insensitive. You're just treating them equally. <laughs> and you, you know what I mean? Does that happen? It happens all the time to me. My wife's like, I can't believe you just said that. It's embarrassed me. So embarrassing. Not no, often that enough that I'm you? like calling up examples, but I'm sure it has happened. <laughs> Sounds like it happens to you a lot, though. Usually if, if my wife says I'm embarrassing her, it's because I'm doing something on purpose to embarrass her. Oh, yeah. No, like I'm not afraid. I'm a curious guy, so we'll go someplace or whatever. And we'll meet someone. And I'll be like, okay, what's up with your finger? And you look and there's like missing a finger. I want to know how they lost a finger. And my wife will be like, that's super insensitive. I can't believe you'd bring something like that up. But I'm like guys walking around with a nub i want to know what happened yeah you know so, what i you know have what I no mean? problem like, asking that question either i agree with you the only reason i don't is because if that person is tired of telling that story then i feel <laughs> yeah. bad you know because they might get asked enough that i'm like well i don't want to be the fourth person in the last hour that's asked yeah, that well, question but i don't mind asking that question either so <laughs> i, I did, tell you yeah, what I, I mean, people don't ask that story anymore. Yeah, yeah, but no, people used to, but they just don't do anymore. There's a difference between going up to someone and saying, wow, man, it looks like you put on about 15 pounds versus, hey, uh, I noticed that you're kind of like limping around. You hurt your leg or something. What's going on? You know, or you know, it's just you showing like general interest in them. And I'm guessing like if you're missing a limb or a body part or whatever, that's part of your personality in some way. That becomes part of you where you're okay discussing it. And, and if it's a really sore subject, you'll know very quickly. Like they'll say, nah, don't worry about it. And then you move on. That's it. And you can be done with it because you don't want to like, you know, poke it any further. But for the most part, I would say 98% of the time, 
my curiosity leads me into a great conversation, not into something that, uh, you know, would make them want to hate me. But, yeah, you know, I, no, I completely agree. And when you said the right phrase there, it's that you're actually interested in that person. And if, if yeah. they have this thing that's obviously the first thing you're going to notice about them, why don't mm. you just get that out in the open? Because they know it. It's not as if they don't know. They know that that's what people notice first about them. So get it out in the open and say, hey, what, what's going on? And then you can actually have that conversation or you can skip it and have the conversation anyway. But a lot of people will not approach that person at all because they don't want to be uncomfortable. And it's like, just be uncomfortable because they'd rather make a connection with a person than not. So you're saying if you went back to a high school reunion and someone that you knew and you were very good friends with but haven't spoke to a long time is transitioning, you wouldn't say anything to them? I, that'd be like, what's going on here? Heck yes, I, I would. Some guy I would used to go to high school, I'd be like, you're living as yeah. a woman now, Jason? <laughs> what is going on here? Bob, Are you kidding me? What's going on? Dude, happen? how did this happen? <laughs> wait, wait. You don't like I go up and you. applaud them. Oh my gosh, you're so brave, you know? So Tell me brave, what you're doing. So brave. <laughs> no, I want to know. There's yeah. a story there. I want to know. But it's it's not like I would go up to that person and be like, oh, you know, the, the liberal way of looking at it is if, you know, you would go up to them and say, now you automatically hate them for recognizing it to begin with. For you to have a visual understanding that something changed now you absolutely hate them no that's absolutely not the case i want to know what's going on here heck yeah heck yes (laughs) that may be the first thing i'm doing at my high school reunion oh wouldn't that be it they'd kick you out so fast i don't think schools put up with that stuff do they and well i don't know i i think most people our age like you know there's a certain age point and maybe when there's i don't know it's it's a generational thing It'll be cut off and no one's going to do that stuff in the future. And we're going to be looked at as the oldest of old people because we don't mind saying something like this, kind of like our grandpas would get away with saying things that we wouldn't be allowed to say at the family reunions or the Thanksgiving dinner. That's going to be <laughs> some time. You know what? There's tomorrow's, there's tomorrow's poll question. The older you get, are you more bold to speak about anything you want? Because I, yeah. I want to know because I'm looking forward. I, I'm already getting there, and I can feel it slipping away the older I get the filter. So I, I'm wondering if by the time I'm you know, 65, if I'm just going to be saying anything. Why wait? You don't have to. Good, co- you yeah, know, good point. And you know what? There's a lot of old guys sipping coffee at McDonald's at 7 a.m. that would love to have you as part of their group to chat about these things. They would be more than happy to. We don't got time for the Seth MacFarlane thing. How about we do that after the break? I, I, well, you know, no, we got Wiggins America. We'll save it for later in the show because it is good audio because I sure. love Wiggins America. I don't want to take any time away from that. Uh, go vote in today's poll. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? You can do that on the YouTube live chat poll right now. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Andy Fry. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Welcome back. I'm Ryan Recker filling in. I got to say, your guys' music game has really gone to a whole different level lately. I don't know what it is, but uh, I can tell that you're putting a lot more interest into it. Is it all Leah that puts the music together? Um, I think, uh, mostly. Yeah, it's Leah. I mean, it's all, her today credit. is all Leah, for sure. She's so. doing a great job. Yeah. And I a guess all last, level. all last week was her, too, because she was the only producer here. Yeah. She's done great. It's a fantastic list there. All right. This is the segment I look forward to the most anytime I get to fill in. Wiggins! Wiggins! Oh! Monday Roundup! This here's the wildest ride in the wilderness! All right. Well, it's not a Monday, but it feels like one, so we're going to do the Monday Roundup. I got a whole bunch of political stories, so uh, a lot of times we're kind of catching up on the page two news. This is kind of the page two of politics. Uh, because it's stuff that matters, but may- maybe you haven't seen it all yet, especially kind of getting back into the swing of things this week. So the first one, Ryan Recker and Brad, I didn't know if you've heard this yet, but Trump is going to participate in a Fox News town hall the same night as the CNN GOP debate. Hmm. The town hall event, which, like the debate, will take place in Des Moines, Iowa, so I'll be going on in the same city at the same time on January 10th, will air from 9 to 10 p.m., that is, I believe, Central Time, and will be co-moderated by Fox's Brett Baer and Martha McCallum, oh, good. two of the network's leading anchors. The Fox News Town Hall will focus on the leading issues facing voters ahead of the Iowa caucus, so this is clearly a play by both Trump and Fox News to counter the other GOP, the kind of also-ran GOP debate, you could say at this point, that's going to be on yeah. CNN. Well, and then mm. the other the other side of that is, too, the Brett Baer and Martha McCallum were the two that uh, were the moderators at the Fox News GOP debate. So this is their chance to get some questions in to ask Trump that they couldn't ask him at the debate. Record way of looking at it. Um, now, I was going to say, it, that's kind of the MO. It, it seems like to have happened every time there's a debate Trump sets up in the same town. Like, that's happened how many times now in the past year? Yeah. So that's almost a given at this point. Have you paid close attention to the debates? No. No, uh, I'll watch the clips, the, you know, I'll read the summaries, things like that. But keep in mind, a lot of my work schedule is at night now. So I don't like DVR it and say, honey, don't talk to me in the morning. I got to get my coffee and I got to catch up on the GOP presidential debate. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Um, I got a lot of stuff to do during the day. For example, I got kids always pulling me in every which direction. So uh, no, I don't get to, but I'll, I'll read the summaries and kind of get an idea of what's going on. But at this point, it's I would say I haven't been surprised by anything that has come out of a debate. So it's exactly how you would predict it to be my my favorite debate to watch so far though was the desantis um gavin newsom debate i mean the gop I, i've watched all the gop debates but the gavin mm-hmm. newsom desantis debate was the debate to watch because that was basically which way american do you want to go the florida way or the california way and uh i think it was just it was just a fantastic and informative debate and it was neat to see and- 
somebody stepped out there. Map. And, yeah, a poop map and and <laughs> props to Gavin Newsom for going out there and putting himself out there. I mean, he didn't have the answers because the facts weren't on his sides, but at least he went out there and was was talking about it. So yeah, would that be the most exciting debate? Well, outside of presidential candidates, I mean the the Hillary Clinton debates with Donald Trump are pretty fantastic. But the one where it was Bill O'Reilly and John Stewart, that's what it reminded me of. Oh, I don't even remember that. How long ago was that? Oh, that was some time ago. Uh, this would have been 2014, maybe. I don't know. Back when both were kind of in their prime, you'd have to look that up. But It was more comedic in a way. It wasn't meant to be a serious debate. Like, for example, Jon Stewart is a lot shorter than Bill O'Reilly because Bill O'Reilly's a tall dude. So Jon Stewart had a a lift so he can like control how tall he looked compared to the podium. So he'd like be able to lift himself up to like the <laughs> same not level as see, that's kind of funny, right? They were able, and, and that was something that was agreed upon. Like they understood that th- that type of thing would happen, but it also meant that they would have certain conversations and things. Bill O'Reilly's not as funny as John Stewart when it comes to delivering punchlines, but Bill O'Reilly's a smart dude. So he's able to say things that are comedic. Um, it was a good one. I really enjoyed that. And that's what it kind of reminded me of. Yeah, I don't know if I speak on behalf of just myself or the show or 97.1 in general here, but I think we were more interested in the first of the GOP debates and then less so as they went along. I think for the same reason that you were just saying, well, partially because Trump hasn't been there. That would, mm-hmm. That's a huge reason. There are a lot of questions I want Trump to answer, though. I got a lot of questions about the about the way he handled the pandemic and stuff like that and who he turned control over to and power over to and how, you know, I don't know that he's going to do the same thing this time around, should he get elected? But I want to know what he learned from that and and what he would intend to do differently and why he let that happen. Well, that's your first yeah. one. I'm going to... There we go. All right. And second one. Steve Bannon predicts big fight over Haley as possible Trump VP pick. I pulled this article because <laughs> I'm surprised that this is still even part of the conversation. I was very much... I re- rewind to mid-November, and I'm I'm going... Haley's going to be, if not the VP pick, she's a top contender for it. And then right afterwards, he started calling her bird brain. And I'm like, (laughs) I just don't think Trump is going to turn on somebody that quickly and and then have to explain why he was calling her bird brain. And Brad, you've brought up, he did the same with Cruz. He did the same with Rubio. He hated them, made fun of them, Mm -hmm. and then worked with them. But this, he doesn't have to choose. He, He had to work with them. He could choose to work with her. I don't know why he would choose that. Are you seeing what people with that are on Team Trump, what they're saying and why they're saying it? No, I mean, what are they saying? We're talking about Bannon. Bannon said if they put Nikki Haley in there, she's just a plant so they could then remove him and make her president. Oh, I'm seeing oh. this. I thought okay. you meant his actual team. Now, okay. now, like Tucker Carlson said, he's so anti-Nikki Haley that if Trump would nominate him, not only would he not support it, he would actively campaign against him. Yeah. Wow. Which is, I mean, these are these are strong Trump supporters right now. And that's some big that's. Well, is that mostly Nikki Haley's stance on foreign aid? Is that what the big concern with her is? I, they call her a neocon. Uh, Warhawk and a neocon is the, kind of their big complaints about her. She wants to go fight more wars across. Uh, Here's I'll read the quote to you from Steve Bannon. She says, if Nikki Haley is in this administration in any capacity, it will fail. She's a viper. She's a viper, and once again, she gets in there, she'll try to run it as a prime minister, she'll try to be Dick Cheney. 
to Trump. She will be just like Dick Cheney to Trump. That's what she'll try to do. So I think they're worried about going back to the old form Mm -hmm. of Bush-Reagan conservatism and not the new form that has to fight the cultural battles. That's my guess. Hmm. I okay. So Nikki Haley just had that own controversy with the Civil War question last week, and just say slavery. That's all you had to do, and none of this would have happened. But I saw her backtrack some, and then talk a little bit. Like on the weekend, she was on Fox and essentially said something along the lines of, "Of course, it's about slavery in the South. That's given. You don't even have to bring it up anymore. Like it's everyone understands that. So that's her thing. Like it's. I thought you meant in addition to like you know, but um. I, when I was listening to her response, and I noticed a couple of things during these town halls, she's very um, soft-spoken in a way that you see um, liberal type of candidates that don't have any substance to their answers. Like they're, I don't want to say Kamala Harris because that's kind of a terrible comparison because she's not nowhere near that level. But uh, you ever see these certain candidates where they'll basically they are so good at using like psychology talk, like a psychiatrist talk where they use it in the way where they dance around it in the middle to try not to offend or say anything that's too bombastic. And then they'll go and like stab you in the back when you're not looking. They're, they're, it's it's kind of like that's the kind of felt the way she was talking was like this psychology psychologist talk that I just hate. Well, what do you think about her overall as still a possible contender for Trump's VP? No, I, I don't think so. Well, in strategically speaking, I do a lot of shows, including in South Carolina, where she was the former governor, and people hate her there. They hate Lindsey Graham there, too. But <laughs> I, I think about, like, what would she bring as a vice president candidate? If you're going out there, is there something that this person would appeal to that would help you gain votes in certain states? She, you know what? Trump doesn't need help in South Carolina. Like they love him there or any of the areas in a lot of these uh, places. So I would say he's going to have to focus in some places where he might need a little help. And certainly what she's going to bring to the table ain't going to help him. I think so. That, no, I th- well, I think the harm that she would bring to him would outweigh the help. But I think the help that she brings is in more moderate states. I think moderate states look at her and say, OK, we kind of like her. and Maybe we can stomach a Trump Haley, New Hampshire, (laughs) yeah, something like that. So I actually agree with Brad that she would she would sort of soften the blow for a lot of people who'd be like, you know what, I did not like Trump, but you know maybe Nikki Haley can take the edge off of him a little bit or something like that. I can see that. I can see that. Uh, Go to our next one here before we run out of time. Uh, Political stuff here. Second page news: Lauren Boebert faults Ryan Reynolds and Barbara Streisand for her district switch. <laughs> Did you see that she's actually not going to be running in that same yeah. district that she's in? Which, when I saw the news, I thought, man, she is just doing self preservation here. Because I personally, on Twitter and other places, have been targeted for fundraising ads for her, uh, her competitor. And I'm like, why me? I'm in Illinois <laughs> slash Missouri. I'm nowhere near Colorado. They're bringing in that dark money. But his name is Adam Frisch. He's a Democrat. He barely lost to her last time. And so they are trying to pick her off by supporting him. And she's saying, well, it's Ryan Reynolds and Barbara Streisand because they're raising money, I guess, in some way for Adam mm-hmm. Frisch. Um, but when I looked into this, now I've got to say, I was upset because I thought, Bobert, you're just going to switch to a redder district, and then you're going to take on a different red incumbent. 
Well, that's not the mm-hmm. case because the guy, the the, the uh, district she's switching to has no incumbent. So she's switching oh. to a place okay. with no Republican running. She's going to run there. She'll probably win because it's redder. And then she'll let a more moderate Republican run in this district. I actually think it's fairly well, strategic. If, if they do that, they pick up a seat. Well, yeah. if they get and, it. Yeah. Well, if you look at the balance of the Senate, for example, next year, if I get my numbers wrong, sorry, but I think there's 32 Senate seats that may be up for grabs next year and 24 of them are currently held by Democrats. So a majority of them, that could be a big shift next year, even in the Senate. But the House alone, uh, could you imagine if the Republicans were finally able to get back to it and actually did something about it this yeah. time? Like I. I, I don't want to go back to this. Okay, you have the majority, but you do nothing about it kind of junk. I'm kind of sick of that. But um, now you can kind of see them organizing in a way where it is more strategic. And you know what? That would make sense. And uh, who knows? Maybe they get something done this time around if they can get the presidency back to. Who knows? It's a possibility. It's going to be tight uh, in 24. The House is going to be very close. Jim Carafano is the senior counselor to the president and E.W. Richardson fellow for international engagement at the Heritage Foundation. We are going to uh, have a visit with him coming up on 97.1 FM Talk. Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.